This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. TLC created a PR show for Gothard's teachings. You've probably heard of the Duggar family. Everyone knew who the family was. We were part of IBLP as early as I can remember. The biggest feature of Bill Gothard's teachings is authority. Kids obey the parents, wives obey their husbands. Everyone obeys Bill Gothard. Gothard turned every father into a cult leader and every home into an island. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm Gail. And this is Full Mutuality. So joining us today is our good friend. You all know her. You all love her. Jessica Goforth. Welcome back to the Full Mutuality Podcast. (laughs) Thank you. It is really, really good to be here. I feel like, like... There should be like applause in the background or something. Yeah, you Nate's gonna, that Nate, we're going to add in yeah. the effect in this section. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, people should like be it. like, there you go. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Welcome back, girl. Our fellow Dauntless Media podcaster. And on today's yes. episode, we are titling this, this is a series we're doing, So Your Cult Was in a Documentary. And... um if you listen to the first one, Nate and Janice were going on about the Hillsong documentary, Hillsong NYC specifically. Uh, and today we are going to be covering the documentary. And what which platform was it on? Mm. So the, it's Amazon called Shiny Prime. Yeah. Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Released yep. uh, a documentary. Do, was it, it's a docuseries. There's three of them, right? Is that yeah. kind of as a docuseries? Four. Yes. Four, oh, four episodes. Four. Mm-hmm. So in the docuseries. Yes. Yeah. Called Shiny Happy People. And they were touching on Bill Gothard, ATI, IBLP. If you were completely clueless as you're tuning into this, you really need to go in our archives. Look for our episode that we did with Jessica. I think it might be a two-parter. I'm pretty sure it's a two-parter. And you go through your own story. So we won't maybe get too much into that. But is there like a Cliff Notes version of like, you know, you want to give the like short version of born and raised in this kind of thing and where... Yeah, your background sure. a little bit short version before we get into the docu docu series. Yeah, in the very very early eighties, when I was a very small child, my parents went to their first IBLP seminar, and um, the materials began to be in our home. So I was about four or five, and um, from there, you know, my parent, our home life was pretty normal up until that point, and then we started getting involved in the homeschool community when I was starting school age and then transitioned into homeschooling through Bill Gothard's new homeschool program called ATI or Advanced Training Institute um, and and was in that all the way until I graduated from high school. Um, So that's kind of my, the Cliff Notes version of my connection to it. So check out our back episode. I know I heard you on Scott's on chapel probation, giving yes, your story yeah. too in detail. That's another one. If you guys want to hear more of Jessica, check mm-hmm. that out. Go check that. So those are two two places. And of course, you run a podcast called I do. Leaving the Village. Mm-hmm. You and yeah. Alexis yes, um, together, yeah. your co-host. And so, I mean, I'm guessing coming up soon, you guys will be having a lot of interviews based on the docu-series that you guys just you know, that just came out. Yes. Um, I'm just curious before we get into it. How many times have you watched it all the way through since it came out? 
I watched it all the way through once um, and then have skipped around a little bit more when doing it the other times. And so I've probably watched it a grand total of four or five times. Um, and, and I've seen all of it, but not like straight through five times. But yes, lots and lots mm. of stopping and starting writing notes, you know, um, taking Before, breaks. When you yeah. heard the project was coming out, <clears throat> I don't think there's been anything else on IBLP or ATI that's been that intense or that's has Mm-mm. has done that no. much work on it. Like I know Hillsong's got a few documentaries out there and things, but like mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen anything on it. So mm-hmm. was this, how did you feel knowing this was going to come out? Like knowing that this was going to be out there? That's a really good question because I think I started to hear there's been rumblings of people wanting to make a documentary about it for a while. And especially once the Duggars rose to fame and then mm. their in, entire world collapsed um, with scandal and, you know, abuse and, and, and all of this. And I think that as that was happening, I remember thinking, there's got to be a documentary eventually about this just because the Duggars are so big and everyone knows who they are and the mainstream media is covering the um, scandals that they are having and their their family imploding. And so I was curious when that would be or how that would go down. And then I began hearing about a year ago that a project was underway and I really thought it would be something you could only see on on YouTube. Like yeah. I was thinking it was someone's project that you'd watch, you know, and I thought it would be very interesting and I thought it would be um kind of um I, I figured there would be some triggers, like it would be some stuff it would bring up for me, but I also felt like I'd done a lot of work and then I was really ready because I had done my own podcast for two years, right. almost three years at that point. Discussing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. discussing it a lot. I'd done like 40 some episodes on it i had had grappled with a lot of feelings related to all of that and come out the other side and i was like yeah you know like this is going to be so interesting and um and then it was announced and and amazon kept this really under wraps i guess that's how they do things i don't know because i've never known anyone who was involved in projects like this but once i got the word from one of my friends who was in it, I, I, I he sent me a um a trailer and I was like, oh my, oh my word, this is like, this is gonna be big, this is, this is gonna be seen by people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it was just like, my family could watch this, you know, my my friends could could stumble on this maybe if it's on Amazon, you know, like, and so that was a whole interesting experience of realizing this is actually going to be on Amazon. When I realized that, that was huge. Yeah. Um, I could never, ever have predicted what ended up happening with it. Mm. It's popularity. Never. Before we get into that, there is something that you mentioned when it came to the Duggars that I find very interesting. And maybe it's just because it's breaking news. So it's it popped in, I, it popped in my news feed today that he uh, Josh Duggard had appealed his, his jail sentence um and I today i think that. oh there was a ruling was, today and was, they rejected yeah, today it today or yesterday Good. and yeah mm-hmm. the, um, nervous for a second yeah mm-hmm. his, his i think his his appeal got thrown out uh Good. the judge the judge just dismissed it out of hand good oh. good news today yeah. but it's interesting when you mention how you know the duggard 
family, basically, yeah, the, their influence within in terms of the media attention. It's so interesting because I think they they had a big influence in popularizing IBLP and ATI in the sense oh, of... for sure. Yeah, they had their TV no show. No one would know and, who it was otherwise. Yeah, yeah. like they, they shone a light. They, you know, they, from what I've heard from you, they were poster children in the movement and, and they, mm -hmm. their faces were used to draw in people to the movement. But it's yes. interesting and ironic and sort of fitting that they're also the people who brought attention to the abuses and the yeah. like their downfall yeah. and their scandals within their story of being that popular mm -hmm. TV show. Uh, 19 kids and counting. I forget. Maybe they were yes. something yeah, else and then they correct. kept changing yes. their name mm -hmm. as they got more kids. But yeah, mm -hmm. so so people, are, people who I know who have never heard about who don't know what ATI or IB, those letters don't mean anything to them. If I say the Duggards and TLC and, you know, 19 mm -hmm. kids, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's so fascinating that they yep. they were the ones to draw in people into the movement. And then their spectacular crash was got people interested in the abuses within the movement as well. Like it's it was like a catalyst for. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Their story mm -hmm. is a big part of the doc, the docu the docu series. And I some people are upset by that, like. When we draw parallels to other, um, you know, like Hillsong, for example, mm -hmm. by featuring Carl Lentz, you know, it, it pulls away from the stories of the survivors. Um, and while the Duggar family was definitely a vehicle for bringing people in and a part of the problem of, of ATI and IBLP, I really think that that their story is the reason we know and we care. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. and so it was the fact that that Jill Duggar was willing to go on and be interviewed and and sit there and tell her story. I think was really important, and I think centering them made sense. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a problem with that. There are people who do, but I don't. Um, I don't think anyone would know or care or realize how per invasive IBLP was and how it w went into every aspect of evangelicalism in the United States and in mission work around the world. Mm -hmm. They were very, very involved and you wouldn't necessarily know that. And yeah. now you do. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, so. you, the Hillsong example is a good one because like not just Carl Lentz, but even like the Justin Bieber pastor. Yeah. Like right. when you bring yeah. up Justin Bieber, the people who've been in New York are sort of, they roll their eyes like, we just don't want to hear about you. Like, why does he come up in every documentary? It's because right. it's a, so it was a celebrity culture church. Right. And right. who were and the celebrities? Yeah. Who out. were the people that yeah. drew people to those crowds yeah. and those mm -hmm. places? Yeah. So yes, the celebrities, be it the Duggars or the Justin Beavers and Selena Gomez's or whoever, you know, in the different religious environments show people like these are not just, you know, out in the country somewhere people. Right. They're yep. known. They're people that have been on TV that millions mm -hmm. of people watched or listen to or care about. And they bring an influence into these environments where people are attracted to it because of those people. So, yeah. 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 Sure. But it, you're, it's true. I guess when you want to talk about the ordinary person who attended somewhere and was harmed, people want to give a platform and a floor to you're just your ordinary survivors of of yeah of those environments. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious if you maybe I'm asking too big of a question because I did want to go through the details with you, but like if you had to rate it overall, were you overall satisfied with how the documentary came out? Is it, you're oh. gonna have to go on probably some tangents of explanation on what you think probably about it, or how, how did you feel overall with how they did? Honestly, no. Like. I think thought it was brilliant. I thought it was very well done. I thought they covered 
from the thousand foot view. Like, you know, if you're going to back way out and you're going to just say, okay, you know nothing. Let me explain this to you. You've only heard of the Duggars and you don't know what they religion they had. You were thought they just went to a regular church. Let me let me help you out here. And I thought they did an amazing job of that. Mm. Could they have gone into a lot more detail? Oh my goodness, yes. Like there's so much to cover. There's in these. so much more. <laughs> and I think that anybody who was was in really into free ginger or spent a lot of time on Reddit and already knew a lot about the Duggars found it disappointing because this Mm -hmm. stuff, they already knew. the basic things. This is the Mm -hmm. very, very basic framework. They already knew the way IBLP worked and they already knew that it was kind of a a culty thing. They already knew those things. But I don't think your average viewer who was scanning channels and saw an ad for 19 kids and counting. And I was like, whoa, they're like a lot of kids. That's why crazy. Wow. You know, and kept scrolling and now knew that they had that in their head. They didn't think, I bet they're in a cult. I wonder what cult that is. I'm going to go Google that. Mm -hmm. And now they are looking at this documentary going, okay, okay, okay. I get you now. I thought it was very, very, very well done. And I thought they did well with the, Interviews that they did with this other survivors, um, I thought that they did a great job of who they picked to be on there, who they were able to draw in and chat with. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant to talk to um, Kristen Dumay. Um, I thought it was um, just just really, really, really well done. Mm. I don't. I had very, very little critiques. I could, I could give it. So other than mm. there's more. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I feel like, yeah, I, I keep drawing the Hillsong comparisons in my head because as you're saying stuff, I just, I, it reminds me of that because with, with Hillsong, they were, I had a friend was saying like, yeah, especially the Discovery Plus one, they were like, I feel like they covered like um, stuff I already knew. And I was like, mm-hmm. I felt like you, I felt like, well, that was, if you didn't know about Hillsong, they yeah. gave the bird's eye view and they mm-hmm. really like helped someone mm-hmm. who wasn't familiar to get the details. If you've watched and a whole I bunch of that. Like yeah, I had I heard, I had been singing Hillsong Church songs in my church since forever, forever. And I, that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew they had cool songs and that they were, I, I, I honestly didn't even realize they were in Australia, that they, right. that's where they were based mm. until more recently. Mm. So yeah, my understanding was very, very, very limited. And so watching that was helpful. It was very yeah. helpful. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's Start great. Like the basics. It is different mm-hmm. when you're in that culture and you know all that stuff. And then when you're an outsider to it mm-hmm. and you don't know, having that big view is helpful. And obviously mm-hmm. for the people who are in it, they want they want more details to come out. And, you know, right. with Hillsong, there has been more. And I feel like with it's shiny, happy mm-hmm. people, it, it did do the zoom out and then it did start narrowing down on some of the stories. Yeah. And I... I did really well from what I've heard. It's it was very very well watched. It's gotten yeah. a lot of views. It's it stayed in the number one spot in the religion category for quite a long time. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And it was at number one of anything to watch on Amazon for over two weeks, which is mm. huge. Big. Very few shows yeah. do that that are big. You know, like and then to think in the religion category on top of it, right? Like it's yeah, not- it's religious and it's a documentary. And mm-hmm. so the tooth, like there's lots of people that won't watch a documentary with a gun to their head. Like they right. just, they're no interest in a documentary and they watched this. Mm-hmm. I know people who don't watch Amazon at all. They don't have prime, didn't need prime that needed prime 
because they mm-hmm. needed to see this. Yeah. Um, and so that was amazing. I this think that that's one seller. of the, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the records that it broke is that it brought in more new Prime members than mm-hmm. anything they had ever released mm-hmm. before. Well, when that happens mm-hmm. on any platform, there's more. There's going to be mm-hmm. there's going to be some follow ups, which I think is is yes. good yeah. for everybody. Well, and there may been... be a season two where they drill down and go deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already had lots of footage they didn't use, and they had other people willing to be interviewed that they didn't get a chance to sit down with. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of talk at Amazon about a, a season two or a, or another series series two that yeah. they'll okay, just as build on it. Who's been with with IBLP? very early on, like one of the earlier families mm-hmm. in that sort of movement, and who knows the details and who's done podcast after podcast, breaking down like so much things about it for people who don't know. What, who are the people that you would love if, if like if somebody was listening mm-hmm. from there and being like, who who are we missing or what stories or who should we interview? Who would you love to see? <laughs> I know you have so many connections oh in that world. Gosh. You probably don't even want to name names, but what, what stories do yeah. you feel like you... Yeah, you'd love to hear told. They okay. I won't name names because I don't want to put people like on blast or whatever. But okay. like, or like on on the spot. But um, I do think they really need to talk to people who did the children's institutes. They barely touched on children's institutes, but I feel like that was a huge indoctrination tool. Mm. Um, and that would be really important. The other thing I think they really need to talk about is courtship. I think they need to have several mm. people who have had courtships um, to explain what IBLP even... sanctioned and, you know, ordered courtships. I did as well. Um, although I'm not probably someone who could actually sit down and talk about that on camera, but um, because I haven't even talked about that on my podcast yet. Mm. Uh, but, it's a very big piece. Another thing I think would be really important is to ta- sit down and talk with some of the women who had reversals and then had mm-hmm. babies, mm-hmm. Um, reversal babies. Um, I know that men had vasectomies too, reversals too, but I think the tubal reversal so much more angle yeah. so much, is yeah. so much more invasive. It's so much more dangerous. And then there are women who went on to have seven, eight more children afterwards. Um, and that's a lot um, I think it would be really helpful to talk up to some some of the women who did that and um, what that was really like, the kind of pressure that they felt, that kind of thing. Um, and I think that they need to dive in more on the music acts aspect and, and media that I think people need to understand how fully they isolated all of us from access to any sort of mainstream or popular media of any sort. Oh and my goodness. Your your story on Scott's broadcast, and I won't get into too much detail about standing in like a Walmart and wa- like trying to sneak in TV. I was <laughs> yeah. just like, you really, you really like kind of painted yeah. what cult world feels like and how freaky yeah. it is and how terrifying yeah. it is. Normal things mm. become like mm-hmm. huge paranoia things and right. yeah i won't get into that but like go check out go check out that episode it was, uh, yeah yeah the media and so stuff. he but it wasn't just like a don't do this um there was a, such an extensive amount of of paraphernalia that they put out propaganda that they put out related to rock and roll music related related to uh, rock beats like uh, like mm-hmm. even s- contemporary christian music was was 
very, very, very bad. There was a lot of racism encoded. There were a lot of dog whistles in there that were related to racism. And um, it's, it's, I think that would be really good to cover more thoroughly. And they also really didn't cover the race aspect. I think we need some mm. people of color interviewed so that you can really understand. Oh, and definitely the homophobic and, and um, transphobic side of all of that. So there are a lot of yeah. LGBTQ survivors that we need several of them to be represented. So yeah, we, that's, that's that, the people I think need to be heard from. For that's, sure. that's a good thorough analysis. I, I appreciate that. It, again, Hillsong's coming into my head because when we saw the Discovery Plus, one of my first criticisms was they did not touch on homophobia. They didn't touch on racism. Like those were like the and and the worst part is the people they interviewed, like Janice and Noemi. That was their. Yeah. We knew their stories, and we were like, "How did you have yeah. Janice say three sentences?" And that's it. Like, she, like you, right. if you know her story, you're like, she can tell you about the racism going on. And Noemi was mm -hmm. like, I was horrified to like she gave her her story on our podcast. It's like you guys did not cover the important stuff. Yeah. But no, in the it was recent a harrowing one, story. Yes, it's one of those kinds of stories that you sit there thinking, "This needs to get out." How did they mm -hmm. not tell this story? But mm -hmm. these are these are themes inside evangelicalism, whether it's homophobia and racism, that mm -hmm. often don't get told when they focus. And maybe it's because it's such a part of the culture in many different ways that it doesn't yeah. even seem, you know, it's like a lot of places have this in common. But um, mm -hmm. I was glad that the follow up, like the last one that came out, there was problems with it. We'll get into all that. We were talking before we started recording and discussing because you had yes. watched it. But yeah, but that was maybe it the other day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was maybe one of the good parts, in my opinion, was they at least touched. And, you know, Janice gave a lot more of her story. She did. She did. But when you were talking too about um, the 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 beats, the the rock beats and the contemporary Christian music and the problems with it and even courtship, all those things, I was thinking like that stuff, Nate and you. I mean, we talked about it on our last episode when we were doing our um, collaboration on Chris's about you and Nate were just chatting in the beginning about how yeah you had that some some similarities in common from yeah I think you call it your redheaded stepsister or something like that yeah, of the, the fundamentalist or Bob, Bob Jones, Jones kind of yeah. world. Yeah, it, exactly. it really. I think. <laughs> What would be great about covering those topics is sure they're IBLP, sure they're ATI, and what I what I find fascinating is mainstream evangelicals are not even aware of how some so much of those teachings have filtered in, like the umbrella of authority. Mm -hmm. Everyone has seen mm -hmm. that picture, yep. don't know where mm -hmm. it came from, but that's from 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 IBLP mm -hmm. and Bill Gothard. Mm -hmm. And yep. then when we get into things like you know courtship, or when we get into um, you know the whole uh, what is it called having all the many babies? Sorry, the, the quiverful. word quiverful. That's it. The quiverful yep. movement mm -hmm. when it yep. comes to rock beats, when it comes to music and CCM being evil. Those are things that I think are far reaching enough that they go out, they extend into the fundamentalist world beyond just oh, IBLPs. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think it's helpful for people to listen and be like, oh, I. I rec even though I wasn't in this cult, it was adjacent, mm. or I recognize these elements or these teachings, and hearing about yeah. those things can be really healing. I think even beyond just yes, and I think people have to understand that like IBLP was not a a church; it was not a religion. You didn't convert to it. it they didn't set out to have you leave your church and join their church. That was not how it worked. It You're was sort of a recruitment tool, like stay in your churches and bring more people into ATI, right? Yes. Yeah. It was a hundred percent that. And that's what it's hard for people to understand because they'll be like, So what was the church you were involved in? And I'm like, I went to your church. 
Mm-hmm. Not your your church, but I went to your church. Yeah. And we all did. Everybody that was in ATI went to a mainstream evangelical church in their community or a fundamentalist church in their community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was your not... members some ATI families at his church. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. the the, yeah. the the my my perspective on some of that is um you know, you have the 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 people who were in ATI who were uh, part of IBLP who were in fundamentalist churches versus mainstream evangelical churches. I I get the impression, and this is simply me speculating, but I do get this impression that the 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 families that stuck to fundamentalist churches were really buying into the cloister yourself off, mm-hmm. separate as much as possible. They they tied in they they like applied every aspect of the doctrine of biblical separation as much as they possibly yeah, could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the the families who went into mainstream evangelical churches, they were probably trying to spread the message of um, IBLP and ATI. Better way to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because in fundamentalist churches, those pastors are preaching those kinds of messages. Right, they're getting stuff handed to them from Bob Jones and Hiles Anderson. And right. that's all stuff that's like right in line with what what the kinds right. of things that Bill Gothard is teaching. Yeah. But mainstream evangelicalism isn't. And yet those families are all in those churches spreading those messages, getting the yeah. word out there about these things. And like like you were just saying, Gail, those images are getting passed around and finding their way into mm-hmm. mainstream mm-hmm. evangelical thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey. I'm Ramsey from Montreal, listening to Full Mutuality on my way to work. Hey, everyone. I'm Jessica from the Leaving the Village podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Kathleen, Nate, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions they came from, please feel free to hop onto the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episode of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking on the link in the top banner. See you there. You were you were mentioning courtship, um, fucking Josh Harris. Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. He he wasn't limited to ATI curriculum. He mm-hmm. got out there. Yeah, you know? was no. he from an ATI family or he was just adjacent to them? I'm curious. I, Josh, I Harris. think they were just adjacent. I don't. Okay. I don't think that Josh was just a little bit younger than me. So, our my parents were in the same circles with his parents and. We lived on opposite sides of the country because they were, you know, West Coast and we were East Coast. Um, But the homeschool circuit, you know, when you go to homeschool curriculum fairs and all these book fairs and things, my parents were at those all of the time. We traveled all over for that. My parents sold books for a while for 
homeschool cur- curriculum, not ATI books, but like, you know, conservative mm-hmm. um, Christian homeschool things. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, he, my parents knew the Harris's quite well. I don't remember meeting Josh ever, but um, we were all in the same world, right? Mm-hmm. For those, all the same world. It's just different. You know, like some families used ATI's curriculum, but if their family had any desire for their children to have an actual education, they would not have chosen ATI. It's right. not an education, as I've yeah. covered extensively have, on my You guys have podcast. gone through the school modules yeah. and shown what education yeah. looked like. But going back to Josh Harris, for anybody who's listening, yeah. is like, who's Josh Harris? Because sometimes we assume everyone knows the Christian lingo in the world. Right, but right, right. Mm-hmm. He wrote a really popular book in the 90s called I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which I read. Sadly. Oh, yeah. And I we bought it too it. as a teenager and wanted well, to follow that and, and wanted to change yeah. how I dated in order to be, to start well, over. I was already not- married. I had already done um, my courtship at that point, um, but almost word for word the way they did it, the way mm. he, he prescribed it. Cause well, he, then, so his follow up book from I Kiss Dating Goodbye was about courtship. Boy meets I mean, Boy, Boy meets, meets Girl. girl. Mm-hmm. And it was really like digging into that. That's the model in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and we talked earlier. Of following his his courtship with his then you know future wife yeah who has and written a book recently <laughs> or is yes. about to release her book which yeah, will be I interesting am so excited to read that book as am mm-hmm. i isn't it called yeah. um the woman they wanted i, I think, think so. so yeah or the wife yeah. they wanted i think it's the woman they wanted it's, it's, it looks it's fucking brilliant i listening. cannot wait yeah, we're so used to hearing the boys' voices on, yeah. on all of these things. And often we don't hear the stories from the people who were the marginalized people in those communities. And mm-hmm. when it comes to fundamentalism, especially, and when it comes to courtship, like hearing the voices of women is so critical to understanding the impact, to understanding the pain being caused. And mm-hmm. and patriarchy hurts men too. And I, I strongly believe oh, that sure. like, yeah, like I believe feminism's for everyone for that reason, because it, it actually yeah. sets out to harm men. But how it harms men and women is different. You know, how how for how sure. patriarchal yeah. environments specifically marginalize women, hearing from the women becomes a really important part of these stories. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I, I did want to I sort of want to take things a little chronologically because, okay. you know, it talked about how, you know, you'd heard this was coming out. And you thought it would maybe be something on YouTube, and then you heard it was going to be. So I want to kind of just go through through your journey with the documentary and be like, okay, you saw a trailer. How did yeah. you feel? Was it just a trailer that dropping? Was, what was that like for you? That was crazy. I had just sat down. I work from home. I'm an accountant, too, and I work from home. So I was sitting at my desk and um, early in the morning, and I get a, a message, and it's it's just like, it's here. And then there's a link to the trailer and I clicked on it without even thinking like I didn't just like curious here we go and I hit play and immediately I I just it's first of all it's a really well done trailer and I just I couldn't no words I it, I don't know how many years it had been since I had seen Bill Gothard's face on a screen and heard his voice at the same time mm. and I was surprised how viscerally that hit me and it finished I finished the the whole thing and I just sat there and I was like I need words I need I need I need a word 
any word. <laughs> and I had none. And I, I, I literally could not. I just wrote him back. I don't have words. Wow. And to the person who sent you the yeah, link to, to the it. guy who sent me the link. And um, within within hours, I my phone was blowing up, you know, and I had watched it over and over and over and over again. And every time I felt like I'd been knocked back on my ass, I just could not get over the impact of it. And it, it mm-hmm. felt like a physical hit of memory of sensory overload of just like, I was there. I was in that room. I was, I heard him say those words. I, I know that person. I know that person. Um, and just, I just kept thinking we fucking did it. You know, Mm -hmm. we fucking did it. And as the days went by, words finally came and I had more, more of an ability to say something. And I shared it on my Facebook and everyone was talking about it. But again, I thought that my, my um, view was skewed, right? Like, so I'm like, okay, yeah, of course my newsfeed is full of this because most of my friends are from this world, you know, or are interested in, in this world, you know, of of leave, deconstructing and leaving evangelicalism. And so I thought, okay, you know, yes, it's, it's of interest to everyone who's deconstructed in any way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, of course there's buzz around it. And then I started seeing articles from mainstream media outlets, you know, plugging it and talking about it. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. And then I started planning my entire week around its release coming mm-hmm. out on Thursday How long night. from when the trailer released to the, the document? That's the wild thing. It was like four days or something. It was, it was really very short. I remember watching the trailer period. and being like, it was it looked great. I was like, yeah, this uh, this looks like it's going to be a powerful one. I, I have a question Maybe before I, I kind of want to follow through to how the documentary impacted you. But before I get there, I wanted to ask, was there... You don't have to, don't name names on this question, but like, was there people in your life? Because you do a podcast addressing this topic, addressing mm-hmm. your past, addressing what you came out of. Or have there been people in your life who are kind of like, Jessica, I think you overblow how bad the whole thing was. Like, I think you kind of blow it into something way bigger than it was. It was, you know, maybe people have some nostalgia towards it. Or have you had those conversations where people sort of think you're drama queen and, and you're going oh. on way too much about this or drawing way too much attention to this? Oh, yeah. I mean, before the documentary came out, you mean? Yes. 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 Specifically before it came out. Yeah. There were always people that were kind of like, huh, she kind of, you know how you you get that sense from people that are like, she says she was in a cult, but I've Mm -hmm. never heard of it. So Mm -hmm. like, that's weird. Mm. Um, And they kind of don't know what to say. And you can kind of see that look on their face where they're like, because hmm. I never really made a secret of it, even before I started the podcast. If I sat down and got to know someone new, and they were asking, like, where'd you go to school or college or whatever? Huh? I didn't go to college. Remember this like, show from the 80s or 90s? <laughs> nope. <laughs> this I music? grew up nope. in a freaking cult because I wasn't allowed to go to college. So, you know, like, it was, it was one of those things that I kind of didn't, because at some point you either lie and be like, I didn't want to go to college. Or you tell the truth and say, I would have loved to to. have gone to college. I was not allowed to go to college because I was raised in a world where people didn't go to college. Girls didn't go to college specifically, but in a 
religious organization that didn't believe in going to college. Wait, what kind of religious organization? And so then it just became easier to say it was a a cult, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of a shocking word too. And people would be like, wait, what? So I think there were a lot of people that were like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, so Jessica was raised in a cult. You know, with this like, okay, you know? (laughs) And they didn't say it mean to my face because I don't have mean friends and don't want to imply that. But like, it just was one of those things that just didn't land, right? It just didn't seem to land with a lot of people. And then there are people who I was close to who I don't have a choice about being close to who felt like we should have moved on by now. You know, why are yeah. you still bringing this up? It was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Move on now. You know, like live your life. You're not in a cult now. You wear whatever you want to wear now. You watch whatever you want to watch now. You listen to whatever fucking music you want to hear. Like, just stop talking about this as if you're some sort of, you know, damaged person. You're fine. You're great. You get to do whatever you want now. Move on. And that was definitely there in my life, too, before this came out. Um, and I asked the question because I think this ties into how a documentary could end up impacting somebody who's lived through this. But I did yeah. want to add some thoughts on that because like I that attitude <laughs> that you just described, I think a lot of people who are listening, whether they're coming out of evangelicalism, any like those kind of comments are so typical and common. Yeah. And sometimes they, they come from other people who've even been through the same thing as you. Where oh, you're yeah. expecting maybe an outsider would be yeah. like, get over this. But yeah, they're like, I grew up are, in it too, you know? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes the people who are a part of it, maybe, and this is my theory, I think the more traumatized you were on some levels the, and the more you run from it, the more you don't want anyone else to talk about mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. remember having you this conversation? how you've yeah. been harmed if you were harmed. And some people did come out the other side un, unharmed, at least as far as they they would say, you know, Um Yeah, they feel like my experience is valid too. You know, I'm okay. I I feel fine. And some of them even went through bad things and are like, yeah, that was not cool. But I'm I'm, I'm fine now. Like I have my own life. I'm good. It's all good. But like, it's interesting when you, so if I'm just, I I just want to flesh this out. But if, you know, let's say you overall didn't have the same experiences as somebody else. Let's say I went through a church and someone else went through my church and we came out and my, my experience was positive and theirs was negative. I think I wouldn't feel upset that they're talking about their story. I'd be like, oh, I didn't know about this. Can you right. can you tell me more? I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn the stuff I didn't know in my experience where it was easy. I want to know the other details that were, you know, foreign to me so that I can be more aware. But I think when people are just like, Shh, stop talking about this. It doesn't need to be talked about anymore. Please move on. That's kind of an indication or something telling of something deep in terms of someone trying to perhaps avoid dealing with I like I I remember hearing someone say to someone else like that didn't happen that experience didn't happen and they were being joking about the whole thing like they weren't Mm -hmm. serious that Mm -hmm. it didn't happen Mm -hmm. but it was their own way of just saying I am not ready to ever visit those places again think about those places again like total avoidance is my coping mechanism and so I think when people start talking it it kind of stirs up the reality that even if your experience was better than someone else's actually it might even be harder to listen to to be like well i didn't come yeah, out it of this is. i you think know, it I really felt is positive about yeah. it and now i have to yeah. face that it was super damaging to so many people mm-hmm. like and i think scale. the people who 
who really did internalize what happened to them and what they went through as for the most part, a good experience or a fun thing or a um, just a unique way of growing up. I mean, some people feel like it was like a unique experience and they then caught up later and, you know, they took the good and discarded the bad and it's like whatever, you know, and they, they are offended because they feel like it means that they don't get to take the good stuff that they took with them. They don't, they don't get to have that. Nobody's telling them that. Nobody's telling you you can't have your good stuff. Like I have relationships. There's no way I would have had otherwise unless I'd been and and cherished, cherished relationships Um, and connected in a deeper way because we went through things together that you wouldn't go through, you know, normally. Um, Mm -hmm. And I cherish those people and those friendships. Um, I do have a unique ability to empathize with oppression in a way that the average middle-class white woman wouldn't have, you know? Um, I'm not saying it's the same as being, you know, uh, having to deal with racism or um, homophobia or, or transphobia or that kind of thing. I'm not trying to say that it's the same, but there's a there's an understanding, a level of understanding of disenfranchisement that I I do grasp um, better than I think your average middle class. Well, and to your woman. to your credit, to your you credit, know? and I'll compare me and you, me coming from Canada and you living in Texas. Uh, to your credit, like mm-hmm. my culture is secular, and mm-hmm. a lot of my values and beliefs have come from the beliefs around me uh, teaching about equality. Christians mm-hmm. have not, mm-hmm. evangelicals have not taken over those spheres. No. Whereas in Texas, you walk down the street and everyone's yeah. like, what church do you go to? And you walk yes, into a yeah. store and it's Bible verses and worship mm-hmm. songs in the background. Oh, yeah. And that's oh, yeah. everywhere. So Every, to come everywhere. With, <laughs> so you, where you live, if we share the exact same beliefs, where I live, um, run of the mill. It's not mm-hmm. interesting or impressive. Where you live, you are a radical, yeah. left-wing, mm-hmm. liberal yeah, you're just destroying the country with your liberalism. Like it's a yeah. big freaking deal. So like, to, I yeah, think looking at people in different contexts gives you a clue of what they like. When you're mm-hmm. sorry, just uh, to your credit, the when you were talking about your unique ability to empathize with oppressed people, uh, if for people who might think, well, maybe Jessica, you're tooting your own horn. <laughs> Worth tooting. You live in Texas, no, yeah, and you have beliefs that go against your entire society, culture, family, like the people around you, all around you, you stand out like a sore thumb because it is not Mm -hmm. the norm. So it takes a lot more introspection. It takes a lot more questioning. It takes a lot more seeking answers to come to those conclusions in an environment that's giving you the opposite messaging to that, right? Like mm-hmm. continuously yeah. feeding you the opposite. So I just wanted to back yeah. you to back you up for those listening and be like, <laughs> Jessica's not full of herself. She, I actually Aww. know her. <laughs> She's a friend. <laughs> and uh, here's also, some stuff. I think there's something to be said for having lived in certain spaces and been subjected to certain types of um, attacks, harassment. Um, High control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, high control environments that that gives you um, maybe maybe not um, the ability to to like fully recognize what someone is going through, but when you when you can recognize when something wrong is happening, right. you can recognize when mm-hmm. someone is being oppressed, and you can take right. a stand and you can step into those places right. and 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 look at the scenario 
through that lens with those eyes and say, something's not right here. I need to stand on behalf of the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed mm -hmm. in this scenario. Right. Not because I am in this scenario, but because I was in another scenario and I recognize when someone else right. is being harmed. Right. And and what mm -hmm. I was, one of the things I tried to explain to someone who I had dinner with recently and I was explaining to them, I was like, you don't understand, like, we, we in America today and in Canada, you think of feminists talking about patriarchy and that word is usually only invoked by people who are saying it negatively there's that's the only people you hear use the word patriarchy right no 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 i grew in the up US. with that word <laughs> i grew up with that word being used positively we need to have patriarchal households oh, it was literally taught to us at, that using that word as the the model that God has designed, and mm -hmm. and this at that point, you know, in the eighties, there was obviously the feminist enclave of people who who were constantly fighting the patriarchy. I never bumped into a single solitary person who ever used that word in a feminist light. Never, I never so met patriarchy one person was a like that. positive term. Yes. I mean, yeah. I've heard in evangelical circles, feminine like feminism referred to as a negative, like a derogatory right. word. Oh yeah, we always yeah, feminazis and all that stuff because we listen yes. to Rush Limbaugh Which is, too. Yeah, terrible. So we got all that from him. But like, yes, feminism I don't think was I heard anyone horrible. call out call out patriarchy as a positive in my in my yeah. evangelical. No, it was, that was very openly common. taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's very common in, circles, in um, IFB circles as well. To be to, like, to this refer is God's to, model. Yeah, yeah. You refer to patriarchy as, you know, we, you know, you know, the 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 original patriarchs of mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob yes, and yes. following in their footsteps. And, yes. you know, and, I even feel like there was a Bob are... Jones song that was like something about the patriarchs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the patriarchy. Yeah. No, that's a no. different song. Fits. <laughs> 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 But yeah, no, and, and and like referring to the structure of households as as patriarchy and as mm -hmm. as the way God designed it and positively, like I I I just can't stress that enough. I can't explain it. I don't think quite adequately what that sounded like and what it was like to sit in a room and hear that, and 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 internalize it so fully, um, and so then realize when you as a woman are not given agency you're not given when I, when i remember being explained way back the first time someone tried to explain um affirmative action to me and i was just like i don't get it like why can't you just you know apply to the same schools and get in and and i i didn't understand until i turned it around and sat down with this and realized Jessica, do you know how to go buy your own house? Do you know how to do these things and these things? Do you have a path to get onto the on-ramp of corporate America? No, you don't know where that path is. It's not there for you. Someone has to make a path because I am not aware of it because of the way I was raised and the world I was raised in. If you don't have an on-ramp, if you don't create one for people who aren't in the spaces that these spaces were already created for, 
right? So Mm -hmm. like these major universities are created for the rich, the wealthy, the privileged young people who are already in these schools that have an on-ramp to these universities, right? The ramp is already there for them. The only way to get people on there to there from somewhere else is to create another on-ramp. And I think that that's what, when I finally realized that I myself was missing on ramps that the typical American woman had because I was intentionally kept on a different road. And then when you, when you back up from that and you realize that America was literally set up and intentionally boxed in certain races of people so that they did not have access to those on ramps that the privileged could use to go to these places. Like when I realized all of this, Oh my gosh, the whole, all of it made sense because Mm -hmm. I also was stuck in a spot without an on-ramp for certain Mm -hmm. things that the average American woman had. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when you don't have the on-ramp? Where do you, where do you go from there? If you don't have it, if you don't know it's there, somebody telling you, well, you could just go do that. Right. Yeah. Right. And Uh, I think there's, there's, there's some important. There's important things in the stuff you're saying about, you know, these places were created for certain people. I think Americans don't like to acknowledge that certain institutions, most institutions were created, like the history of them, right? What was the police force made for? Right. Which schools allowed black people to, they didn't. They were created for white, like teachers even say these schools were created for rich white people is not, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. your the erasing of history that happens to not start there. And then if you do acknowledge it, then you have to be like, yeah, but then it'll change. As soon as, as soon as black people, everything just changed. It just flipped overnight and now everyone can have equal opportunity. And what you're getting into is just a reality that that switch doesn't flip that way. That's not yeah. how that works. If no one else before you has done it, if other people have not gotten into these spaces, it doesn't work like that. That is right. like, it has to be actively pursued and sought in ways that understand the limits and that understand how these structures are designed to keep people out and then actively work against right. those structures mm-hmm. that have been built yeah. to yeah. keep out certain people. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And so that's what I meant. I didn't mean to say that I had had you know special insight or something um but i think that going through living like this living in a cloistered segregated you know separated off separated Mm -hmm. off not segregated but separated off um world causes you to not be able to access what everybody else can access Mm -hmm. and yeah i i still struggle with that today you know i'm 45, I'm divorced. I am in the workforce for the first time in my life and um, in a full-time capacity for the first time in my life. I mean, like that, that is, that's big, Yeah, you know, yeah. like figuring that out, figuring out how you present yourself, how you come up with a resume, how you even explain away all these years, the lack of education, mm-hmm. the fact that I've never entered a, a school, um, except for little, little short periods of time. Um, th- this is very, very, very difficult way to, to start life, to, mm-hmm. to try to, to do life. And so, yeah, anyway. So this is actually very helpful because um, it kind of ties into 
some things that I was I was thinking about of like why why should any of this matter why like mm. if you haven't seen the documentary yes. series if you haven't watched any happy why people, bother yeah exactly <laughs> why bother with this a- anyway a- IBLP ATI they're gone anyway they don't right. exist as organizations what's the point well there are a couple things that I think are are worth taking note of um, what you just mentioned in how difficult it is to get to where you are. You know, I, I I think you probably would say this yourself, but you're very fortunate to be in your position, mm-hmm. given the roadblocks that were in front of you, given the fact right. that you didn't have a work history at your age, that you didn't have mm-hmm. um, a high school, a legitimate high school diploma from um, a recognized institution, that you didn't right. get a bachelor's degree from a recognized accredited institution. Those are all roadblocks that you have. And I think it's worth people taking notice that this exists in this country right. a lot more often than we realize. Yes. Um, there are yes. people whose roadblocks are are kept secret because they're in these cults that are extremely secretive. But there are also people who have roadblocks for obvious smack in the face reasons that we just refuse to recognize, like the systemic um, yes. roadblocks that are placed in front of certain um, racial groups in this country. Right. Um, the, those exist, and I think it's important for us to recognize that. And it's important for us as people and as, if you're listening to this and you have any hiring and firing power, if you work in HR, if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're looking at resumes yeah. and you see weird gaps and you're wondering, what's what's that about? Maybe it's worth calling that person and bringing them in for an interview yeah. to find out what their story is. Because I think we're all made up of all kinds of, <coughs> excuse me, we're all made up of all kinds of stories that can contribute yeah. to environments more than most people realize. And yeah. I think it's worth having even a modicum of compassion and not just looking at somebody like, I, I don't think they'll be able to function in this environment because they're missing X, Y, and Z on their CV or resume. When I'm actually incredibly curious, eager to learn, easy to teach things because I, I'm getting to learn things for the first time ever. But mm. I also bring the wisdom and age that I have, the years of, you know, of growing and healing and working on myself. I think that, that, that there are a lot of us who have, uh, who have recovered from and have been in recovery from IBLP and ATI and the stuff who are a tremendous asset to the community, to the work environments that we work in. And, um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I remember having this conversation with a teacher because I, I, you know, I had to get off my school trajectory when I was young and I had kids and then I, I stopped school. And then when I was thinking of going back, I was like, you know, people are going to look at that. And they, my teachers were like just reminding me like, hey, mature students are taken as your life experience actually counts. Like not just your education. If you finish your program and you're 23, that's one thing. But if you're coming back to school as a 30 year old, for example, mm-hmm. you have that life experience co- makes you come into learning with like a richness. And, and I remember getting that speech mm-hmm. and how helpful mm-hmm. it was and healing it was for me. And as you're talking about what you bring to the table, I think, yeah, people who've sub- survived some some cults, some really traumatic experiences who haven't taken the regular path through things mm-hmm. and but have a ton of life experience and have had to work through therapy and healing and examining all kinds of stuff and pushing past all kinds of fears and challenges and indoctrination. I mean, these are people, yeah, that come with 
uh, a lot of expertise in different areas. Mm-hmm. That it's that's yeah. not learned. Yeah. It's 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 on the ground. You know, it's yeah. field work. Yeah, they're not sitting yeah. and learning this in a classroom. They're learning it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not know, textbook. It's field work. The yeah. the other thing that <clears throat> that I wanted to bring up as a, a sort of response to why should I care. Um, you know, the, these organizations don't stop just because um, they they cease to exist in any organized capacity or institutional capacity. Um, they they continue to have influence at individual levels, um, where those of us who have been through these kinds of spaces are 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 talking to our therapists constantly, are having to do mm-hmm. some serious work in order to heal from those environments. Um, and there are, look, evangelical Christianity makes up, um, like a third of, yeah, a third of our population in in the U S. So the, the, and the, and if that's the case, then, you know, this growing trend of people who are leaving evangelical Christianity, um, we're all in some kind of recovery pattern. And yeah. we all have a lot of, and those, and those marks and those scars are still with us and will continue to, uh, to be with us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pass them on, whether we like it or not, we're going to pass those on to our children and they're going to have to work through it in some way, shape or form. Yeah, for sure. And on the, um, inst- the, those, the, those institutions, even after they disappear, they leave their marks on our society at yeah. a, at a governmental institutional level at a systemic level, you know, I think of my own alma mater and the things that my alma mater is responsible for in American society. Um, the like that part, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the segregation academies, the yeah. you know, the the types of uh, the the whole um, private Christian school movement. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that founded my school were all involved in that and mm-hmm. and the charter schools in the US these yep. this this uh this attitude of keeping kids out of the public school system to what end That's because still you still alive want, you, and well in the US yeah mm-hmm. i want to it's a good conversation it's an important conversation and i think we can go in a lot of directions yeah. you know so to wrap um, that part up just to say um why should i care why should i watch this documentary series this, this is, is why, why. yes because yeah because it has influence day to day and will continue to have influence in the future. What is it you wanted me to reconcile myself to? I was born here almost 60 years ago. I'm not gonna live another 60 years. You always told me it takes time. It has taken my father's time, my mother's time, my uncle's time, my brother's and my sister's time, my nieces and my nephew's time. How much time do you want for your progress? I hate you naturally. hate black people. Things are going to get worse before they get better. What is presented to me as an American does not look like me. Because you're not allowed to be a black man in corporate America. You give us a hard time for being white, being American, and being in control. And when you live under a situation like that constantly, uh, and then you ask me you know, whether I approve of violence, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And you know what? We need a space where we can debrief some of it and deconstruct. If you've been looking for a POC-centered podcast that engages with intersectionality, religion, critical race theory, and some hip-hop culture, then you need to check out Profane Faith. 
I'll be your host, Daniel Whitehodge, and we go in every other week. So check us out wherever you find your podcasts or check us out at whitehodgepodcasts.com to see what other platforms we're on. Cool? Aye. Peace. And I loved mm-hmm. how they brought that around when you get to to mm-hmm. the fourth episode. The end. Mm-hmm. Yes, the they last episode. really pulled that all around into a, a really good place at the end where you had to sit with it. Mm-hmm. You really had to just realize, mm, okay, there's, there's stuff here and I'm consuming it and I am furthering it. And I, one of the things, one of my friends called me and she was in tears after she watched it. And she goes, I, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the Duggars show. Like I didn't watch all the time or anything. She said, I saw enough and I found it entertaining. Like I was, it was, I was entertained. She said, but now I really have to sit with my complicity in these children's abuse. Mm. And she said, after watching this documentary, she said, I cannot stop thinking we should have people watching this show should have been calling cps not Mm. being entertained Mm -hmm. i was like yeah yeah she's like we should have seen it it was right there right there i mean i i do love i absolutely love the the fourth episode emphasizing the political ramifications and mm-hmm. tying into what you were saying Nate about you know how it applies to our society today and how these institutions mm-hmm. you know they still exist and i mean maybe just looking outside of all of this as a canadian you know you have trump who's causing all kinds of chaos as president he leaves office but before he does he makes sure to honor the evangelicals' foot soldier requests because they've been working at this for years and years and it's why they voted mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. to ban abortion. That's mm-hmm. been their passion. That's been why they vote Repu- why they have a single voter issue that keeps them going no matter what other things are going on. And mm-hmm. and now Trump is gone, but he's managed to change the Supreme Court. <laughs> he's yeah. managed to get people on board that are in line with this that the evangelicals wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then he leaves office. And Biden is, isn't is currently in office. And they have managed to overturn that, that protection. And so looking at it and seeing how it's a long game and seeing yeah. how they oh, yeah. do train foot soldiers. They train people to be political arms that actually alter the course of women's lives. People, mm-hmm. women who have you know who are going to go into sepsis because they're they're they their babies are dead inside of them or their yeah. their their pregnancy is not viable and they need mm-hmm. an abort like they need it and if they don't they will die but now the doctor says well you won't die today so i can't legally get away with doing the abortion today because the the clause now in my state is that i have to wait and i can only do this if it, your life is in danger it will come to that but not at this moment so you're going to wait this out and you're yeah. gonna, your life is going to be in jeopardy because this rule has been overturned in the Supreme Court and now the states have made up their own, you know, and and how many people have, like, I've heard story after story and it's disgusting mm-hmm. yeah. and it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And this is something, I don't know how you guys all feel, but for me, the Korean is shocking. Like, it's absolutely mm-hmm. shocking that this yeah, has happened in the I, U.S. So when, when, um, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, 
Um, shortly after, I remember hearing on uh, on the news um, certain doctors' practices closing up because mm-hmm. there were there were doctors who just couldn't ethically continue their practices any longer, and they were like, "Well, we're leaving." There were some that were trying to hold on, but they were they were deathly afraid of um, being you know being sued by the state government um or being arrested or what what have you for for performing uh, an abortion any sort of you know um care procedure that is necessary um yeah. and so now you know the these these sorts of things have far reaching consequences right like so i'm thinking well what does that mean for the medical system in the US oh. in these states <laughs> in particular right if there are if there are um women's care practices that are just closing up shop because they can't ethically continue to practice medicine any longer um, under those new laws in those states. You know, doctors are just like, ah, you know what? I can't I can't work here. Let me go work in a state that that I can work in. So what does that mean for the women who live in that state? Right. I you know, I think Governor Murphy, you know, good on good on Governor Murphy for making, you know, New Jersey a um, a, a safe haven state for women who want to get abortions. But what does that mean for women who can't afford to leave their home state and travel to New Jersey? Yeah, because well, it's New not Jersey's like New Jersey's a long yeah. fucking way from Texas. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it is not mm-hmm. next door. Yeah, yeah. So what? Mm-mm. Like, and the only the only women who are I'm not the only, but the majority of women who are going to come to New Jersey and get an abortion are women who have the money to travel that, means, that far. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, have privilege this is, already. This is mm. the thing that has been repeated over and over and over again is that the people who have the privilege to access abortion, which is all of these pod- politicians and mm-hmm. and their mistresses, and their mistresses, mm-hmm. they they yeah. will not be f- impacted. Who will be impacted no. are the people who are already barely able to feed the children that they have. This is what makes me so angry about the Sound of Freedom um, movie, is that we want to be all concerned about children that are being exploited and abused, and yet the the policies that these exact same people are supporting is the exact way that children become perfectly positioned to Mm -hmm. be trafficked. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's fascinating because one of the ex- executive producers of Sound of Freedom, uh, you have to Google it, look up his name, I'm not going to do it for you. But basically, he was a 30-year-old youth pastor yeah. when he got in a relationship with a 15-year-old well, who's okay, his current so I wife. I just want to make this all very, very clear because, you know, somebody is going to say, oh, that's not accurate, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Right. So he was a, a youth pastor who was uh, over 30 who... One of the teenagers, one of the girls in his uh, youth group, who I think might have been 15 or 16 at the time. She was 15. When, right. She was yeah. 15 at the time. Um, he began to groom her, her. for mm-hmm. a He made her break up with her. Right. He made her break up with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And right. even on her Instagram, when she describes how she got together with him, it's like she was forced. And that mm-hmm. word was used yes. in her in her talking about her own relationship right. with him. Mm-hmm. So like, and here's the guy who's making this movie on child trafficking. And then, yeah. sorry, we, it sounds like we're side tangenting, but no, this is actually a problem it's, in the U.S. And how these, these... Uh, culty movements, these fundamentalist movements, how I how that ties in with their foot soldier stuff. So, right. you know, and everyone go watch birth Sound of is mm-hmm. the way forced birth is the way you have children that are not 
able to be cared for. So you have poor families who are having children they cannot care for. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying that they already knew they couldn't care for more children. They're stuck with more children who end up in situations where they cannot be supervised and watched and they end up trafficked. This is the pipeline to it. Mm -hmm. It is not... The Christian kids who are the family that has one kid and they're in the grocery store, their little blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby is not being scooped up out of the Walmart parking lot cart as their mother is Mm -hmm. putting her groceries in and trafficked. Mm -hmm. That is not what is happening. Right, right. (laughs) It's not what is happening. What is happening is that forced birth children are being trafficked. The, The other thing that drives me nuts is the fact that these, you know, Pro-forced birth advocates are also anti-comprehensive sex education. Yes, exactly. So the, Which is the, the other way... thing we know very well right. prevents the... unwanted and, exactly. And of the t- of the ten states that have banned child brides, only ten American states, which is a fifth of the U.S., only have 10. states. Only ten is one of those ten states. Actually, are all ten states Republican? No, no. Is half of those states states. Republican? No, no. Is one of those 10 banning child bride states Republican? One, just one out of those. No, none. Absolutely no state of those 10 who have banned child marriages. Child, if you care about groomers, if you're going to yell about drag queens and say you care about protecting children and go watch The Sound of Freedom, we care. You're not going to fight your own state to Mm -hmm. ban child marriages? Yes. What does that actually say? Yeah, list them out. So because, because if you're, if your state is not one of these 10, you should be calling your state legislatures, Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Rhode Island, New York, Massachusetts, Vermont, Connecticut, and Michigan. If your state is not in that list, then you can have child marriages. Yeah. You have have no business going on about, oh, watch the sound of freedom. We really need to care about. Go watch it. We're actually making a difference. No, you're not. Go, go push legislature through that doesn't allow children to be forced into marriages. Mm -hmm. Yes. Start there. Start there. And, and also, you know, when you think of, of, you know, people who care about grooming and say this kind of stuff, like things like taking away statute of limitations on people being able to yes. report abusers. Mm-hmm. That yes. is a fantastic, like there are That's, local ways. Yes. There are practical exactly. ways in order to protect children, to protect abuse victims, to actually care about grooming. <sighs> and if we're not doing that, I'm sorry about going to watch a movie, yep. that actually skews it in a way yep. that doesn't cut, like a lot of people who have been in the, who have been studying sex trafficking, children being pr- brought into this have, written stuff out there to explain what the damage a movie does when it uh, romanticizes and slash has, and I'm not saying it makes it look good, but puts an angle on it that maybe feels more comfortable versus the stuff that's right in front of you, like child marriages, like things that you can actually practically do, right? The other thing is the, the number of, I think I saw a number the other day of children that we have dug up out of the ground in the six or seven thousand uh, to this point that we have dug up in mass graves that were trafficked by the church. The church mm-hmm. was the original inventor of all of this in the U.S. Yep. And Canada. And Canada. Yeah. Yeah. They mm-hmm. were trafficking these children in the exact ways that, that we're supposed to be calling it out. Yeah. 
and 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 nobody is is wants to hold the church accountable. Nobody wants to get the reparations that these families deserve, or that these, or even the cost of burial or anything. Nothing. Right. 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 But hey, you watched a movie and you felt moved. <laughs> yeah. So you're yeah. making a difference in the yeah. world. Sorry. So, Big tangent. Sorry. Yeah. I'm happy so think, with this tangent. No, These are important topics. They're relevant. They're current. I, they're important. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're, we're over here. This railing is where the against, rubber meets. Yeah. This is where the rubber meets the yeah. road. We're, we're over here railing against going and watching a movie. And we're telling you, go watch a, a documentary series. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, but, but I think, I think there's, there's something, there's something to be said for, you know, doing the work, right? Going mm-hmm. and watching a movie is easy. Watching a documentary series is probably almost as easy, but th- there's a little bit more work that gets involved with a documentary mm-hmm. because it does tend to open people's minds to asking difficult questions, going down those rabbit mm-hmm. trails, starting to read and research in those, you know, the things that that documentary series is talking about. So, I mean, there's just a um, a handful, but I think it's important to... Um, to 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 point them out and i think these are great starting points you know the one we're talking about today shiny happy people um and mm-hmm. even though i don't i don't really recommend the documentary itself but i do recommend that you go into this world and and add this documentary to your list of documentaries but um the secrets of hillsong um hillsong mm-hmm. omega church exposed um god forbid which is the one about uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. and Liberty mm-hmm. University. Yeah, that was good too. Um, mm-hmm. Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. Ooh, um, that one hit me hard. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Vow. Um, mm-hmm. I've, and, and more. Like, I'm not yeah. over here just- Under the yeah. Banner of Heaven, we can go Un- on. Under the Banner of Heaven. It's not a documentary series, but it is a, um, uh, a docudrama. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets into the history of it really historical stuff with mm-hmm. the Mormon Church, which yes. is super helpful if you're an ex-Mormon. Yeah. Um, so, so I think these are all good places to start and to do some work and go find podcasts, Leaving the Village being one of them, Leaving Hillsong, another, mm-hmm. um, yeah. these podcasts that are touching on these cults where abuses are taking place and are digging into them, right? So like once yeah. you've started learning through watching a documentary, go one step further yeah. Listen to stories of survivors. Go find groups that are advocating on behalf of survivors. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, an organization like Grace, um, Boz Chavidjian's uh, organization, we've talked about them yeah. before, um, that are doing work specifically um, about protecting people and advocating for abuse survivors in religious institutions. Yeah, this is important stuff because it does. It has a bearing on. Honestly, I hate to be like you know, like paint too big a picture, but I I don't I don't think I can. I think like it does have a bearing on the future of American society. It does. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I think and go hire the, one. The, go hire yeah. someone who survived this. You know, mm-hmm. go go pick their resume out of a pile that they mention their little bit of their crazy world that they grew up in. And and give them give them a job. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's a lot of these people that are really struggling to get their feet under them, and a lot of it is is financial disenfranchisement. Like yeah. it is, mm. it is imposed impoverishment, mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of them are very intelligent people with a lot mm. to give. So yeah, go hire somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get your boots on the ground? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Jessica, uh, and would if you, you mind? Um, sorry, real quick. Uh, if you mm-hmm. are a survivor of a cult or a religious, yeah. uh, religiously oppressive environment, and when and like Gail has mentioned in the past, when when we say cult, because um, because like like you all were saying, you too, Jess, like it's cult can be a, a tough word for people to wrap their minds around because it's mm-hmm. it's so ooh cult. Um, but really, what we're talking about are environments that have a high degree of control over your um, mental life, your emotional life, your spiritual life, um, and the information that you take in and out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you come from any one of those environments, um, you know, if you feel safe, if you feel comfortable, if you're in a place that you feel like you can do this without um, bringing more harm upon yourself, share your stories, mm-hmm. um, share them with us. You know, we have um, a Discord server where you can share your story with some relative anonymity and and privacy. Or if you want to go go public with it, start a blog, write your story, post something on Facebook, share that with us or don't. You know, you don't have to. But I I think, you know, I I would love we would all love to hear hear from you um, and to find out what's good. Because this look, this stuff is so pervasive. Yeah, it is. It has taken over so many people's lives um, around this country. You're giving me a segue into something I've been wanting, just sitting here waiting to ask Jessica. But the whole sharing your story and we want to, you know, and and the power of that, um, you know, earlier I was saying to you, you know, what what if people's reactions? Have you had those kind of, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't that extreme, Jessica. You know, maybe you're exaggerating. But I, you talk a lot about this. Why don't you move on? So I, I thought I was trying to set you up for for, <laughs> for this when I asked, you know, what did you think about the trailer? Okay, documentary gets released. Yeah. How, how does that hit you? <laughs> having that story told. Having that dog. I want to get back to shiny, happy people. For yeah. other people who have probably been in your shoes. What was that like for you? to to watch the movie how did it hit you it was rough um i had i had gone out to target uh and i was in target and i wanted to get some some it, it, this was released in june like the first week of june like june 2nd i think june june 1st and i'm i'm in the store and i'm like it's pride month like i want some pride stuff no i do not ad- identify as lgbtq but i just i love um, celebrating my incredible LGBTQ friends. And so I was like, I just really wanted to go to Target and buy Pride stuff. And I couldn't find anything. And I was so upset. So I'm putting around Target. And I finally find, because I live in a very, very conservative area. I finally found it. It was back in the back by the lingerie. And it was mm. like in the middle, uh, like it's tucked back in there. And so I finally find it and I find this bottle of wine. It's like a Prosecco and it's like all stripey, you know, with all the <laughs> rainbow on it. So I grabbed that. And as I'm picking this up, I get a call from from a friend and she's like, the documentary dropped. And I thought it was dropping the next day. So I was like, oh, my gosh. OK. So I like rush home. So I sat down with my Prosecco, <laughs> my bottle of Prosecco. And I like sucked that stuff down <laughs> watching this documentary. It was rough watching. Um, the first episode knocked me for a loop, and then the second episode laid me out flat. I think the second episode is probably the hardest episode for anyone to watch. Most of the people that I talked to were like, ooh, the second episode left me needing a break. And I was like, yeah. That was the one that dealt more with the child abuse side of yes, things, correct? and the spanking yeah. and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was... 
really rough, but I didn't want to stop and it kept going and I finished it all by midnight that night around one o'clock in the morning. And I was crying at that point and really, really emotional, a little, a little tipsy. And, uh, I slept very fitfully. I had a lot of nightmares that I hadn't had in a long, long time. Um, I was surprised by it. I ended up journaling quite a bit of like what the nightmares were because I was trying to make sense of why it came up for me that way. A lot of it was being imprisoned, being um, um, silenced, unable to make any noise, unable to scream or cry, unable to speak for myself. Um, It was very, very, very visceral. It was an incredibly emotional experience and Mm -hmm. um I had tried to you know um podcast some and record all it was none of it was useful um because I was pretty much with my hands like I'm I'm doing this for the camera but like (laughs) you can't see me but like I had my hands up by my mouth and my fingers like in my teeth like just the whole last part of it. Like I just could barely emote. Um, So over the next few days, there were a lot of us talking. And then I think what was just amazing for me was the reaction. The number of people that were like, I watched that and they contacted me and were like, oh my God, like, oh my God, what am I watching? What is this? Jessica, you lived this? And I'm like, yeah, and this is kind of barely scratching the surface. I told you, like, and they're like, no, 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 no. This is, this is unreal. A whole other level than what I was expecting, and that was very gratifying. That was very, very mm-hmm. gratifying experience. I had one friend that literally texted me all throughout watching it. Like every few minutes, she'd be like. What did I just watch? What was that? What? What? Oh there was a little boy on a screen being s- fake spanked on a stage. What is that? And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was in the room for that. I remember that happening. Wait, 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 wait. What? You saw that happen in the room? I was, yes, I did. I was there in that room. I, I find there's a part of me when I saw that scene. Yeah. And a lot of scene, a lot of stuff that that yeah. was talked about. But that was a really hard one. That Ooh. was that it was it was so hard to watch. But there was a part of me that thought, "Am I, am I like decent? Uh, why am I not like shocked and horrified? Is there uh, yeah? Like, is something there was in an me aspect broken? of it that you're like, "Yep, I know what that's like." Yeah, this was such a like normal part of the teaching in these environments it that it's like it's not brand new to you. Mm-hmm. To the people who are outside, you're like, "What the f am I? What like yeah. what the fuck is this?" Yeah, and then if you're in it, you're like, actually, this was such a common teaching mm-hmm. that like, there's a piece of me that's numb to all. Of I, like, I'm, right. I, I'm, like, I, I think coming coming out of the the Bob Jones world, yeah, I, I started recognizing that there were certain things that I was saying were completely normal, and people were just shocked and horrified by, yeah, you right. know, yeah. that that kind of thing being one of them. I remember. Uh, Jim Berg's wife coming during our freshman orientation class and talking to the to the girls in the class and saying, "Okay, when you know when you bring your your child home from the hospital, you must break their spirit. So the moment they start crying, you have to slap them. 
you have to spank them. You have to. And this oh isn't like, God. she's not saying yeah. this is, you know, not, not violence. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about breaking their, um, the, the flesh, you know, the Satan is, is working mm. within this child. So you have to break their, their spirit. Like, I remember wow. this as a, as yes. one of the lectures yeah. in class. And I remember sitting there feeling like that's uncomfortable because my parents didn't do that. Right. Um, I mean, un unfortunately, my, my parents did subscribe to some of the spanking methodology that was being taught. I'm very grateful that they never read um, the Pearls book, even though oh. I do remember seeing the Pearls book at my, in my church library mm -hmm. growing up. But yeah, um, ugh, it's yeah. So I think there was a part of me that just felt like, is there something wrong with me? Like I'm, I'm that I'm not so viscerally yeah. reacting to this that it, I'm sort of having this, you know, it's it's painful, it's hard to watch, but I'm also like, I think that the thing surprised? that I reacted to was, I'm sitting on my couch in my house, watching, going back in time, I'm being thrust back into time, to being. 13, 14, something like that, sitting in a conference watching this. And then my brain realizing I'm watching mainstream media on my TV that my neighbor next door is probably watching too. Mm. And this is crazy. Like, mm. I like think you weren't even allowed having a TV when you were at that thing. Right. And now you're sitting watching it and your neighbor probably beside you who wasn't in that environment could be watching it. And too. I'm processing it through their eyes, right? Mm. In, a, in a very strange way. And I think it's only because I was being thrown back to being in that room and and feeling uncomfortable. Because if you can imagine watching it on TV it was even much more uncomfortable in the room. I remember being like, oh, shoot, this is not this is really bothering me and not having any vocabulary for that or being able to say anything. I'd like to chat with my dad about it because I feel like the, the comp the, this particular session was mostly pitched towards fathers and I don't think I was supposed to be in there. I think I was in there. I'm trying to remember. I need to ask him cause I was really young, but, mm. um, mm. but I do remember being in there and um and i remember it's so funny how our memories work it's just like how how you have this feeling of like should we leave like i have this vague feeling like wondering if we should leave and not be in the room hmm. you know it felt very yeah. voyeuristic almost and to watch something like that and that is the way it's presented because it, mm -hmm. you're like what you're going to watch this man have and no a one jumped up on the stage session. and, and yeah, like he, and then the his kid hugs mother, him at the end. Right. You know, like mm -hmm. his mother hands this child over. Anyway, I just had a lot of feelings about that. It was very, very difficult. Um, but, but there's a lot of aspects of the whole thing. So as, as people began to, cause at first it was just all of us that were like ready. Like all of us who had been in ATI were like poised, ready to watch this and sit down and watch it. We all did, uh, or, or th those of us that knew we were going to. Um, there's definitely a, a whole group of ATI people that are like, and I'm not watching that. Like, because um, mm -hmm. they knew it was going to be too much for them. Um, but there were a, a ton of us that were just like ready to watch. So we did. And then we were all talking. And then the days go by and now people that have no connection to 
our ATI past are watching it too. And they're talking about it and they're writing. And and then celebrities that I follow or like major um, writers and authors, not celebrity celebrities, but like major are writing about it and posting about it and putting it in their stories and on social media. And I'm just like, holy shit, Jen Hatmaker just watched this thing and told everybody to go watch it. You know, like that, I still have a hard time having words for that. What it meant to me. Yeah. To feel seen, to feel listened to, to feel heard. It's like someone saying, let me pull up a chair. All right, tell me. Mm. Tell me your story. And mm. that's what it felt like to me. It felt like the a huge amount of the American public sat down and said, mm. let me listen to your story. That, and is, yeah. that is powerful. It was powerful. I think when you talk about, um, you know, just when you talk about, you know, and Nate, you were talking about like, am I broken that I'm, you know, that I, I, you know, just what I went through and was normal. And Jessica, when you talk about people messaging you and being like, what the, what the fuck was I just watching? Did that? No. And like, you know, giving you the play by play. It just, it reminds me of, for my own story, growing up in an abusive foster home and, there was so much violence and it was so extreme. Everything was so extreme that, you know, people get into telling their stories and then you start talking about yours and then you quickly watch the faces of everyone around you change and you're like, yeah. oh, I don't have yeah. a normal story and yeah. I'm the awkward one kind of shifting the whole mood here by giving mine. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, yeah. and then you, but, but yeah. the other side to that is, you know, for myself, watching other people be horrified by my background was helpful to me in healing i don't i don't know if you feel this jessica but like Mm -hmm. the stuff that became so normalized that it you almost become distanced from it like yeah that's bad but you don't it when other people are like no that's not bad that's bad like that's (laughs) That's really really that's a lot of bad yeah Yeah. Yeah. because when you lived it and it was your normal and bad that's messed up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, if you wanted to cope and survive a horrible environment, it ha- you had to numb out in yeah. some way, shape, or form. You had to cut off pieces. You well, had to numb out to some stuff. And there, yep. Your normal is your normal. Right. I don't know how yes. there's our human brains work that way. If mm-hmm. if this is yes. what's normal to you, then that is what it's normal hard to, to know. You. It's you hard to know it's not normal because yeah. it is your normal. It yeah. is right. your normal. So hearing people respond to to an extreme scenario that you lived through that was your normal helps you to have a perspective of how not normal it is and how yes. horrifying it was. And so it's not just validating like they're pulling up a chair and seeing you, yeah. but also people are helping balance out how much you've had to overcome. Exactly because how in, how we do self-gaslight too. Mm-hmm. Like there is a yeah. sense in which I will be like, I have these feelings in my body and they're awful. But it can't be that awful. Like, why am I like this? I'm a big whiner, I guess. I'm a big baby who can't handle shit. Like, I must be, I just must be real overly sensitive or something. And we have Mm -hmm. these narratives going on in our head. And then someone else goes, how are you breathing? How do you get Mm -hmm. out of bed in the morning? I, I can't believe you get out of bed every day after Mm -hmm. what you went through. It is okay. Okay. All right. I'm not mm. crazy. I'm not 
overly sensitive. Overly sensitive. I am not this, you know, shrinking violet or, you know, delicate flower. That's just so stuck all the time. No, Mm. I'm actually been through legit bad stuff. And Mm. it's Mm. it's understandable that life is harder for me. Is 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 just some things that should seem simple are not. Some things that should be doable aren't mm-hmm. and just having a few people understand that means a lot yeah oh 100 percent um you not feel so crazy yeah and so and I, on that qu- note quick quick sorry Nate. sorry Can I go? just added one last yeah thought. go for it i was gonna say for people who are unpacking religious trauma or adverse religious experiences or whatever titles make you feel comfortable but when you've gone through stuff that makes your body feel ick um I know the whole pressure to move on and get over it is one that you you'll get thrown at you a lot from different people. I started going through um I did I did some some therapy classes. I did some but group therapy classes with licensed professionals. Yeah, and, and uh, just support so, just so you're aware it's non non-clinical. Um Right. But it's but, run by people who are clinical therapists. But it's a group therapy, like it's a group environment of processing. And one of my thoughts was, well, as I, you know, go process through things, it's going to get easier. Like it's going to feel less, I have less rage and anger. And and the reason I want to share this is for people where it's gone the other way, because for me, it went the other way. Mm-hmm. The more I heard the context of what my experience wasn't unique, mm-hmm. the things that I had gone through that were terrible were not an isolated, I just had a bad experience. No, no, this is tied to a bigger system of patriarchy, a bigger system of abuse, a bigger, and like someone else is sharing their story and I'm like, and then someone else jumps in and everything mm-hmm. is tying together. And you're sort of seeing the magnitude of these teachings and yeah. how the different ways they play out. And I have found the further away I get from my religious trauma, the more obviously horrible. It becomes bigger and bigger, actually, with time. It doesn't get smaller. It gets bigger because that distance helps me to put things into perspective the further away from it I get. So it actually becomes more like I go, wow, like the more time goes by, the more all that sounds more bizarre, more awful. Um, And that's not what I was expecting. I thought healing and a lot of people talk about deconstruction and healing like something you just just one day just get out of bed and you st- it doesn't matter anymore just fine and for the people where they're like this is still mm-hmm. affecting me actually this is still impacting me actually i've gotten angrier yeah. is there something wrong with me am i headed in the <laughs> wrong direction i want to say no 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 you have you might actually no. be doing a lot more work unpacking yeah. things and this is why it's taking you getting you more upset because yeah. you're becoming more aware yeah. you're becoming it's that a lot recognition more yeah the recognition honoring, of the pain honoring yeah. your anger honoring your experience honoring mm-hmm. your harm is um is huge yeah it's yeah really 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 yep. fucking huge absolutely so um we are uh we are way way past time <laughs> i do want to I, I would love to continue the conversation um I think I'm going to do that a little bit differently. So for now, um, we're going to sign off here. Mm -hmm. But if you are not currently a uh, Patreon supporter um, and you want to hear a little bit more, we're going to have a little fun off-the-cuff conversation over on Patreon. So go ahead and um, sign up for that and um and you could you could you could become a partner for we don't for just... we don't throw enough to our patreons we gotta yeah, give yeah, it yeah. and we gotta, jessica's yeah. a good one exactly <laughs> and 
so so yeah sign up um sign up for uh for our patreon you can become a partner of our podcast for just five bucks a month and you get to hear additional conversations uh we also have like a a three-hour video that we did with Noemi and Janice that that's up there on the on the Patreon as well. So, if you want to unlock all the good stuff, um, head over to Patreon.com. We will always make our main content and our most important content available for free. That is what we do. Uh, but some of them are like we need to pay bills, yeah. guys. We pay. <laughs> yeah. we, podcast yeah. does not make us rich. Nope. We pay out more than we get. Exactly. So, <laughs> so um, we love your support. Uh, and so, so head over to Patreon.com/slash mutuality to sign up and uh over and there thank you to our current patrons yes. we appreciate everyone yes we've got uh, we've got a handful of patrons over there and we're so thankful for everything uh that you are giving to us and so um here you know if you if you are a patron you're going to hear this uh the rest of this conversation which is really just more off the cuff uh random stuff that we're going to talk about but for those of you who are not this is uh this is it for today we've been talking for quite a while uh thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to another episode of the full mutuality podcast we're so glad you decided to join us today If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, and pretty much every other podcast app. Just search for Full Mutuality on your app of choice or visit our website, fullmutuality.com, for links to all of the apps that you can subscribe to us on. And if you enjoyed what you've heard, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website. A quick review is one of the best ways you can support us. Speaking of support... You can also partner with us on Patreon. For just $5 US a month, you'll be helping us produce this podcast and you'll get access to other content such as exclusive episodes, access to occasional live-streamed recording sessions, and more. Just head over to patreon.com slash fullmutuality to sign up. Thanks again for hanging out with us today and we'll see you on the next episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast. This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content.